The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Marketing Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about how to build a more efficient marketing flytrap. With us today is Marwa Greaves, who is the Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot. HubSpot is a leading CRM platform that provides software and support to help businesses that want to grow better. And their platform includes marketing, sales services, and website management products that start free and scale to meet their customers' needs at any stage of growth. And outside of being a wonderful platform for marketers, they are also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. And for the first installment of Marketing Automation Week, Marwa and I are going to talk about how to figure out what to automate. All right, here's the first installment of Marketing Automation Week with Marwa Graves from HubSpot. Marwa, welcome to Marketing Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Always great to talk with a guest from, I'm not supposed to call you our presenting sponsor, but one of our best, biggest, most important sponsors. Uh, we're a member of the HubSpot network. How else can I sing your praises? But <laughs> always great to chat with a, a friend from HubSpot. Thank you. It's Marketing Automation Week, as I mentioned, and you work a lot on marketing automation for what in some capacity is a marketing automation company. So that brings us to my first question. When you're thinking about starting with our marketing automation, how do you figure out where to start? It's a great question. And a lot of the times you have marketers jumping in before they're actually asking your internal teams, what about their jobs are the hardest and what would they automate? So that would be my first piece of advice is, yes, you probably have some assumptions of what are things that you can automate. The best place that I would say to start before you just go with those gut reactions is to actually ask your internal teams. So go to your sales teams, go to your servicing teams, ask them what about their jobs are the most painful, the most repetitive, the things that they feel like can be easily automated, the questions that they're asking prospects over and over and over again. And that's usually where I would suggest starting is starting with your internal teams and trying to figure out what's been the most painful. The other place I'd start is looking into if you have something like chat on your website, even if you don't have chat on your website, if you have support tickets, or if you have some way to track your internal team's interactions with prospects, customers, look at some of those conversations and look at some of the questions that are being repeated that you already have documentation for. 
So I'm assuming that a lot of the companies that we talk to have something like a knowledge base, they have blog posts, they have some types of content that probably are FAQ based or attempt to answer questions that pop up, but might just do so in a content or in a form that's not easily accessible. Those are also the places that I'd start is does the content already exist and people just aren't accessing it or it's hard to find or they can't access it through the channel that they're communicating on. So those are kind of the two places I'd start is talking to your internal teams and then also looking at some of those FAQs through chat transcripts, call transcripts, anything that you can really get your hands on, but do your research first before just jumping in and trying to automate for the sake of automating. What's interesting to me, you brought up two points. One, yes, talk to your internal teams. Get their sense of what they think needs to be automated and don't just use gut instinct. In the same way that marketers think about what is my best performing creative or what should the features and functionality of my website be, your intuition is often wrong no matter how good of a marketer you are. Get some data, get some feedback, be democratic about the process of automation, because if you're just automating for yourself or for what you think other people's problems are, you're likely to get it wrong. So, you know, bring everybody else in your team into the loop. Now, you mentioned figure out what's the most painful process, and then you also said what's the most repetitive process. And I think that those are two drastically different things. We do a lot of marketing automation and a lot of automation in general with our content production on the MarTech podcast and my other show, The Voices of Search podcast. And where we started with automation was actually with our email templates because I was writing the same email over and over and over again. So what did I do? I created a template that I could use as a essentially a mail merge or I can automatically send to somebody when they ask a question. Then I realized that I could automate the process of those replies or build things like sending those emails out up front so I wouldn't be getting the questions and wouldn't have to field the email management. Those are not painful processes. When somebody reaches out to me to be a potential speaker on the podcast, we have a form that says something to the extent of, thanks for reaching out. You look like you could be a great guest on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Our process is to go to martechpod.com slash podcast dash guest to fill out the sponsor application. And then we will evaluate the application based on your topic, your ability to syndicate our content and the company that you work for. That's a template. I don't have to write that out. I don't have to thumb it out every time. And now I have a template where any of those emails come in, they get automated to go to somebody else's inbox, and they send that template and manage the relationship moving forward. So the moral of my relatively long-winded story here is that wasn't the most painful process, but it was the most repetitive. Yes. So I live in the camp of whatever you're doing the most often that is time-consuming and easy to automate is the first task that you should take as opposed to on the flip side, when I have to send an email to a sponsor about how their campaigns performed, I have to go get data from multiple different sources and make sure that I'm being concise and actually thinking about the marketing efforts that we were trying to do. That's a painful process. I'm not going to automate that. That needs to actually have a personal touch. Right. Am I thinking about the bifurcation of repetition and pain the right way? And do you agree or disagree? I think it's a great point. And we love a good two by two at HubSpot, especially when we are asking for resources or when we're starting off in our planning season of the things we're going to tackle. And we usually create a two by two of effort versus impact. 
and you usually try and figure out, okay, if I'm only doing things that are obviously things that are low effort, high impact. Okay. Let's start there. What's the low hanging fruit. What do we feel like we can get the most bang for our buck? Sometimes the most painful things, for example, if you're talking about a switch of systems because your call tracking or your chat tracking is just not up to speed and you actually need to move your internal teams to a new system, that is a really painful process, but it could be really necessary. So I think you actually need to plot out both the painful and repetitive tasks on that two by two of impact versus effort. Because sometimes, yes, the most repetitive tasks, you can automate them, but how much of an impact are you going to see? Sometimes it's a lot. And then you'll get to a certain point where you'll say, okay, now we actually need to start tackling the meatier things. And it's going to be more complicated and it's going to be more complex. But I think you also need to ask yourself the question, we talked about this a little bit, I think last time is when actually to not use automation. And this is something I tell my team all the time is don't force automation if it actually breaks the customer experience. If you are no longer delighting the customer or the prospect through your automation, then don't do it. So when it comes to things like having strategic conversations about how the HubSpot CRM works specifically for their business as they continue to scale to 500 employees, that's a really specific, unique question. That's not something we'll be able to automate. There are more complicated, painful tasks that if we dig in, maybe there are elements of it that we can make a bit easier on our internal teams and also make it a bit easier on the customer or the prospect. So if there are upfront questions that we know we ask every prospect or customer when they have, say, a servicing type of question or when they have a specific tool type of question, if we can bucket it into one of three categories and say, hey, just so we can best route you to the right internal team or the person who is best able to answer your question. That type of automation is really delightful because that prospect or customer knows, hey, this automation is here to actually make my experience better, make my experience more relevant, make sure I'm talking to the right person for the right question. So I would say you're completely right. They are two totally different things, things that are painful and things that are repetitive. But I would say not all things that are painful can't be automated. Sometimes it's just elements of that painful process. And I would also say if you create that two by two of effort versus impact, it shouldn't be that you're only focusing on low effort, high impact, because eventually you'll run out of those automation type of projects. And you'll eventually need to dig in deeper into the systems, the tools that you're using, some of those strategic conversations, what parts of that can you automate? Those take a little bit more time and a little bit more effort, but it just kind of depends where you are in your automation journey. Marwa, this sounds like there's a process here. And what I'm hearing is you go and you talk to your team and you make a list and you get what everybody thinks are their most painful or their most repetitive processes. And you try to basically evaluate what the potential business impact is and how difficult they are to automate. Now, you mentioned something that's interesting to me, which is some things might be painful. They might have a big business impact, but they can be challenging to automate. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. 
Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about, A, what you can automate. I mentioned email before. You know, there's email. What are some of the other marketing practices or channels that you see companies automating? Just, you know, give me a general list and where should you start on a channel basis, not on a task basis? So on a channel basis, I would say whatever channels you're using most frequently as your business, don't try. If you're starting with automation, I would say it's not always necessary to introduce a net new channel, but to take a look at the channels that you're already using. So if you have chat on your website, there are probably things that you can automate in terms of capturing general information from people who are chatting in, you know, name, website, company size, things like that. You talked about email, any type of messaging platform that people are using. There's obviously automation when it comes to inbound calling and routing, but I would start with channels that you're already using and finding ways to say, okay, where's the most amount of volume that we're seeing, whether it's from a prospect or customer basis, and start with those channels first, because trying to introduce a new channel and then introduce a net new automation at the same time is going to overcomplicate the process. And what you want to do is start with saying, okay, we know this amount of volume of email is going to our prospects or customers on a weekly, monthly basis. This is what we know about the types of questions that are coming in through that channel. And now we know where we can start with our automation. It's really hard to do that if you're introducing a net new communication channel at the same time. I work at a small but mighty company. Mm -hmm. I'm actually the only employee at my company. And my team is made up of, I think we are 12 right now, freelancers and contractors that are distributed around the world. And what we've always done is build manual processes first, figuring out how something should be done. Do it when it starts to become repetitive, we start to template it, and then we build our automation around it. So for example, our content production. I'm going to call that marketing automation. I record this podcast. It goes through a couple stages of automations, but I'll skip past those. Once it's done, it triggers a notification to my editor to work on the files, polish them and clean them up. He then marks them as being edited. And so our content producer then takes them, writes the show notes and quotes, they mark it as done. And then the publishing assistant takes them, puts them into our hosting platform, builds a web page for them, schedules them, which notifies the person who manages the communication that we can coordinate with the guest and send the templates that let them know the content's been edited and when it will be scheduled, yada, 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 until the content has been published and everyone knows what assets they should be promoting. And that's how we grow the podcast. There are 17 different marketing automations that happen after we're done recording this podcast, at least. 
to get the content edited out the door so I don't have to do all the manual processes that I actually created. Now, that's one process that works at a small team. When you work at a large organization, it might not be as simple. How do you think about marketing automation when you're at a big company knowing that you're not necessarily tagging a person as responsible, but sometimes it's an entire team? So one of the teams that we work really closely with is our frontline sales team. And the way that we kicked this off is we actually decided as leaders of marketing automation and leaders of what we call our inbound success coach team and said, we need to have joint goals in order for this to work, in order for us to create automation that both solves for, at this point, it was an SLA or a sales level agreement and also solves for a delightful customer experience. We at the leadership level need to have shared goals. So that ensured that anything that we created from an automation perspective was always kind of rolling up under that North Star or those North Star metrics. And what trickles down from there is just a level of buy-in. And so it's obviously, there's a little bit more politics when you're dealing with a larger company. When you're getting 12 people on board, it's much different than saying, okay, we need a team of 200 frontline sales reps to be on board. What does that look like from a marketing automation standpoint? Sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) I have to say for all of the bad reputation of sales and marketing alignment, one of my proudest moments has been creating this awesome partnership that we have with our frontline sales team. And I think that it worked really well because we started off with those shared goals. And we start off with hearing from the people who are on the front lines. And we actually have a shared Slack channel That's between marketing automation and what we call our ISC team. So frontline sales, it says like, what is really painful? What are things that you're hearing over and over and over again? And we had this really great automation example that came from a member of that ISC team that said, hey, we asked the question, what's your email address? And then we asked the question, what's your website? 99% of the time, their email address is their work email. And we can probably take a guess as to what their website is based on their email. So what if we parse that out and said, oh, your email is mgreaves at hubspot.com. Is your website hubspot.com? Yes or no. So just taking out that one question, I don't know the exact metrics, but I think anybody that works in marketing automation knows the power of being able to remove one question on a form, run additional question that you're asking a prospect before handing them off. And those types of ideas actually came directly from the frontline sales team. So I think, yes, it's trickier and the buy-in and the politics might be a little bit more involved if you're working at a larger company. But the truth is you have to get investment and you have to get buy-in from the people who are actually talking to your prospects or customers or actually doing the work first, because otherwise it's not going to work. You talked about how you created these processes manually first. You did them for a while, realized how painful they were and or repetitive, and then decided to automate them. It's kind of the same process. It's just done at scale. And it's making sure that you're involving every single member of the team. And we have somebody on our board that repeats a quote that I love that she says, make sure you're repeating things with cartoon clarity. It's to make sure that every single member of the team understands why you're doing something and what the larger goal is. So when you say, hey, we are looking as a marketing automation team working alongside our sales team to automate repetitive tasks that you feel like are unnecessary, we want to hear your voices so we can put into action the things that you're asking for. It's a lot easier to get buy-in. And then it's a lot easier to say, okay, six months down the line, hey, we want to run a pilot where we test WhatsApp as a new channel. 
you already have that trust build with that team. They know that you have their best interest in mind, whether or not it feels fairly disruptive, because at some point marketing automation is going to be extremely experimental. You're going to need teams to be able to run those experiments and be bought in and be willing to kind of fail fast with you. I think it kind of starts both at setting shared goals at the top and hearing the concerns from people who are actually speaking with the customers or prospects firsthand. You know, whether you're a small company and you're setting up the marketing automation rules yourself, or whether you're at a large company and you have dedicated headcount to help you manage some of the more complex processes, there's no getting around that marketing automation is something that can be incredibly complex. It can be incredibly sophisticated and powerful. And we're going to spend the rest of this week talking about some of the channels that you should be considering how to manage relationships when it comes to marketing automation, and also how to think about internationalization. So that wraps up this episode of Marketing Automation Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Marwa Greaves, Director of Marketing and Global Messaging at HubSpot. If you'd like to hear more of Marwa and HubSpot's tips for effective marketing automation, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when Marwa and I discuss email marketing automation. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Marwa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Marwa Graves, M-A-R-W-A-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Or you could visit her company's website, which is HubSpot.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.